Yeah, welcome back to the Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Saleh Gott. On this episode, my guest is Frankie Yoga. He is a writer, director, and producer. He directed The Soldier Story 1 and 2, amongst other works. We talk about Nigerian representation in film, the origins of a soldier story, and next steps for the franchise. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi Frankie, you're welcome to the Ninja Filmmaker. Thank you very much. Can you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Frankie, Frankie Oga. I'm a filmmaker, a film scriptwriter, director, editor, sometimes a DOP and produce, because I study all that anyway. Okay. How did you get started in film? That's, that's a, a long one, isn't it? Well, um, I've said this to many people. It seems like I'm repeating myself like a broken record now. Yeah. Well, it uh, started from my childhood days, because I've I'd, I'd been very much into comics, reading comic, comic books. And even, uh, so that was a major factor. And uh, I used to like watching a lot of cartoons, like the anim- animations. For those who, see, who call it animations, we, we used to know them as cartoons then. Yeah. Mickey Mouse and all that. And they were, they were really, really major for me. They, they kind of pushed me towards the direction that I finally went to. I finally ended up here now making films because I've always loved film and I love music as well. So growing up, I was into comics, reading comics like uh, Raw of the Rovers. Oh, and then the Marvel and the, the and, and the other ones are the what are they called again? This DC. Ma- yeah, Marvel and Dollar, Dollar Comics, DC Comics. So I used to watch, I read a lot of them, and I, I read the Commandos, which which were the war comics and Tintin and all those comics. So I'd been very much into storytelling. I loved it not because I was telling them, but I was reading them. I read novels. Children know it was like, it's a fantastic five or something like that. I'm not too sure anymore. Yeah. And it blighted and the rest. So those kind of like motivated me towards going the direction I finally found myself in. Uh, but after one in secondary school, I had an opportunity to present radio shows. So I went and auditioned for a radio show in my school uniform. So you can imagine it's secondary school. Yeah. Funny enough, I, did, I, get the, I got the opportunity and I presented briefly, but my parents weren't into that. They didn't like the idea. They wanted me to be in school and not to go and start presenting radio programs. But when I was finally through with secondary school, a radio station was just starting up in Jaws, and that's Power 90.5 FM. And I was told by a friend of mine, Charles, that, hey, yeah, you're good at this. Why don't you give this a shot? That he's just gone, he's just gotten a job there to present as one of the presenters, so I went and I got it. Yeah. So, so that's all. So people, most people who knew me back then will ask the question, why are you into films? We thought you were really great in, on the radio. But you see, these this are all encompassing. They're all part of the same things. The same, there's audio in film and there's vision. And so to me, to a large extent, I thought that was, that was a good direction, a good, play, a good stepping stone. So 
because like in, in film in filmmaking a lot of people don't look at sound but it's so important so I think I probably learned a lot from there and it's helping right now in what I'm doing yeah. so eventually I went to study filmmaking professionally because I was in the University of Jaws then it was uh, the, the, the theatre arts and communication arts so I'd done that already then I had to do my masters so I was in the London Film School for a period and then left to to actually Luton University of Luton then to study computer visualization and animation. Yeah. Unfortunately, the course that took me there, they weren't ready to start that year when I eventually got in there. And then I was asked to do internet technologies, but I, I wasn't really interested in doing that. But I started, actually started. After months into the course, uh, Birmingham City University now called, they said, okay. They had an, an opening for me to do my master's. So I've crossed over again. So you can see I've been jumping around. Yeah. Like so I crossed over where I did my MA in media production. Okay. So basically, academically, that's how it's been for me. And uh, I did my work placement with Aquila TV, which was actually arranged by the university because they do placements for students, yeah. which is one of the major factors people want to get into Birmingham City University because they're really strong. They're really strong in that. They, they have the access to place you in major networks that you can never, you won't dream of. You can't get a chance. You can't put your foot on the door. Yeah. You can't get into those places. And a, a colleague of mine was on Endemo. She wanted to be on Endemo. And that's how the people that, the Big Brother, people, creators, and all the uh, all the major uh, what you, reality shows you yeah. see in Nigeria and worldwide, they create them. And then when they're true with them, they sell to some other countries like Nigeria we're having now. Like yeah. I said. She got it. And it was a, a dream come true for her because the university did that. So that's how they opened my door into Aquila and into the industry. Eventually, I was with the BBC Three, and Fat, Fat Nation, and Solar Pictures as well. So it's, it's been a long journey coming. Yeah. So, um, you know, you went, you started at London Film School, went to Luton and then Birmingham, Birmingham City University. And I guess from there you've done several Yeah, all the courses, courses. Uh, with, with Eric Lau in, uh, in New York. He's a film director on a film, uh, a DOP. Uh, he, he, he and Spike Lee, I think they went to the same college in, in, in New York because he told us that and he has evidence to, to that. They, the schoolmates and all that. And he's yeah. really good at what he does too. His name is Eric Lau. So I, I, got, I took a course with him. And there's another one, Janice. Janice is in California. I, I did another course. That's a DOP course specifically with him. Because yeah. Janice takes courses in UCLA and does other courses on his own, training filmmakers. So he said, I've been trying to like better myself all the while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm um, you know, building up, learning new things, having your formative years in filmmaking. Um, you know, are you looking for certain things that pushed you to explore all these courses or you are still kind of looking for direction? I've always had a direction. I've always known what I wanted right from when I was a young star. Growing up, I knew I wanted to make films. And in the process of wanting to make films, I realized that for every writer or creator, you just don't, well, it's all not about entertainment because if we look at it, Sincerely, even the Hollywood films we're watching are not just there for entertainment. There's a reason for why films are made, books are written, and all that. Yeah. A narrative is being created. 
you watch CNN and the rest, you know it's a narrative. BBC, they're pushing their narratives. They're not just giving you news. They're giving you news from their viewpoint. So you would see things the way they want you to see things. That's the way the world works. So if we, anybody who's into filmmaking and doesn't realize that, you're still searching. You should realize that you're not just making film for entertainment purposes. Some, some go in there just because they want to make money because they feel that there's money in it. Yeah. Okay. But if, if, if your major reason for going into any field in life is just about making money, then I'm, to be candid, you probably will make the money, but you won't make a statement. You won't become that name. You won't leave that legacy because it's all about money. So if money is your driving factor, you will never leave a legacy. That's one thing I've come to realize. I was taught that even in the college in the UK yeah. and the rest that your driving factor shouldn't be money. It should be something you're trying to serve and maybe a purpose, a purpose that you that's driving you or you want to serve a purpose, you want to provide a service, you want to do something that is required yeah. of your society that you think is missing or is lacking. Once you can do that, then you're in the right path. Okay. So um, what kind of a director would you say you are? What stories do you want to tell? There's so many stories I want to tell. Like, you know how it is with every creative mind. There's so much. And then worse for you when you're more like an entrepreneur. Because I've come to realize that entrepreneurs are people who are like, you don't seem to be focused enough. It's like you start something and you want to jump to the next one, want to jump to the next one and the rest. Yeah. So for me, I've got so many stories I want to tell. But basically... I want to push a direction where people in my country would have a viewpoint that is positive about their country, our country. And then people who see my productions will have a point to look at my country from a good perspective. Because it looks like, okay, like they say, if you, if you don't blow your horn, yeah. somebody else is going to do that. And if somebody's blowing your own horn, a definite, definite person not going to blow it the way you would have blown it. Yeah. And that's what I've been noticing over for years as a youngster growing up to, to this point. I noticed that when things happen and the media out there puts it out, even Nigerian, for instance, is of dual citizenship. You are a dual citizen, kind of passport of two countries, yeah. save, let's say, an American, and you're a Nigerian and you're an American. Or Britain or Nigeria and in Nigeria at the same time. If you excel at something worldwide, the probably would the big media out there in the world probably would just ignore the fact that you're Nigerian. Yeah. They just say American that, American this, American that. But if something goes wrong, and maybe you're arrested for something or something negative happens, immediately the Nigerian part comes up. Yeah. The Nigerian this. Sometimes they even say the Nigerian and forget the American part until maybe later on some other, some other media may now say, okay, Nigerian, American, whatever. Yeah. So I've come to realize that all this narrative are there to put, to create an impression in the minds. It's impressionable. When you do this, some people, especially the, the Nigerians, for instance, who probably don't realize it, being to have this, they don't have that self-worth. And you, you admit people, when they talk about Nigeria, they talk about Nigeria in demeaning ways. Yeah. Okay, I agree. We, 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 we have had situations where things are not working well. That I know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not justifying that. Where we say uh, and different administrations have not done well for the country. Yeah. That is true. But we as people should not look down on ourselves. We the people, we the Nigerians, should always hold our heads high. When situations come up, look up to yourself. See yourself as 
a worthy citizen of the world. So that's why I want to tell stories where people have things to look up to, heroes to look up to, yeah. who are Nigerians, and Nigerian children, should, the youngsters, the ones coming after me and the rest, and even those who are my mates, should be able to look up to Nigerians. Okay, raise the Nigerian flag. Forget who is in government. We're not talking about the government. They didn't make the flag. They didn't create the flag. The people in government, if they're not doing well, that's not the problem. That's not the issue. Yeah. We should do well. We should find a way to make Nigeria look good regardless. Because look at it. Nigerians, a lot of young Nigerians have put Nigeria on the map. It's not the government that has put us on the map. Yeah. At no time has the Nigerian government put us on the map. It's always the Nigerians themselves, individuals, the musicians. You see, Bonaboy goes to Bonaboy goes to win an Oscar, uh, a Grammy. That's great. Yeah. That puts Nigeria on the map. There was a time it was signed on, I don't know if it was YouTube or something. Bonaboy's pictures were splashed all over Times Square on billboards. Yeah. And they're saying, this is a Nigerian. When footballers were playing, I remember once at a point, I was just on the street of London, then you see massive, those big buses, and you see Kanu Ako on them, mm. his posters, and billboards. You see Kanu on those big, massive billboards. That is Nigeria we're projecting. Those people are selling, those are the people who've sold Nigeria well. Yeah. And then when we make films, and those films get to that far point, and people talk about those, or athletes, you see, uh, you look at, Presently in the Olympics, two girls have picked up two medals for the country. Yeah. Do you know what that means? They took our flag, carried our flag, put on their backs and ran across those screens across the world. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what we should be looking at. That's the direction. That's the kind of filmmaker I want to be. Yeah. I want to be a filmmaker that no matter how far I go, it sells my country. Everything I do sells my people right. Yeah. Sells them there, puts them on the map. My whole dream is to put Nigeria on the map. So even in my stories, you see like in the soldier story too, you have a situation where like, different themes, there's a particular one where one of the actors is talking, one of the characters is talking to somebody else, another character and say, look, look out for the Nigerian flag, the green, white, green flag. If you see it, it becomes like a symbol, a symbol of hope yeah. for the character. And I see a lot of films my colleagues make there's nothing like that in them. And I'm mm. wondering, what's this? And then every time we're talking, the whole stories we're telling, I'm like, oh, someone is beating someone. Oh, well, your, 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 your aunties come to the house to kick a girl out because uh, she's not giving them a child yet mm. and all that. Or your grandma or your mo mother comes to the house to her. I think we've gone past those stories. Yeah. We should be telling stories that will edify us, that will lift us up and make us proud. Oh. That's me. That's me as a filmmaker. Yeah. I guess something you notice with like America is with certain narratives is like there's this unified vision. Um, do you feel like Nigeria has that or everybody's just grasping at different things? We, we don't have a vision like that, a unified vision, to be candid. We, we, we just all doing our own things because I think whether we like it or not, countries like America, Britain and the rest have a plan in almost everything they do. So even in their schools, there's a direction that they're going to. Yeah. If that direction is not right, others will come out and scream out that no, we're going the wrong way. Like in present days, people are coming out and saying the American education is becoming anti-America. Yeah. That it's becoming too socialist because they're teaching people to hate America. But it came through the school, a school system. That means there had been a group that has been planning and working through that direction. That gives you basically the idea that nothing happens without a plan in those countries. So even when they, when you see a news event come up, 
you hear the same thing on CNN, you hear the same thing on, uh, on, 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 on most of the other networks. So you, see, you just realize there's a theme, there's a theme work going on here. Yeah. Or they, they just bunch together and do things a particular way as if they normally have a group that a meeting that we they go and have a look at this is this is the narrative this is the direction we're going to go yeah. because you seem to you tune to every station is basically the same thing so you want they can just make a bottle that falls on this floor now become big news all over because everyone is reporting it yeah yeah but in our own case we're, we're all in different directions so to a large extent i think it's because there may be no organization or any roof over everyone telling us that look Maybe we should go this way. Maybe we should go that way and the rest. And, and I'm thinking maybe the, the certain organizations like the Actors Guild the, in, in Nigeria, the Directors Association, I know, producers, whatever, maybe those are the things they should be looking at yeah. uh, in, in when, by organizing little conferences or little meetings and then telling people that, okay, just reorientate the people because some of these filmmakers probably do, it never crosses their mind. Yeah. But if you probably brought them to meetings once in a while, little gatherings and there's a little meetings, have some drink, cocktails, meet, just meet, that mix and share ideas. And then in this process, you, you let them know. It's not like you're telling someone that you must do this and that. No, no, you just let them educate them. Educate your filmmakers that, look, it would be great if we went this direction, if we went this direction, if we went this direction. And then some of these stories are, it's like you're flogging dead horses and the rest. Yeah. People may wake up to it because it look, look to be candid. There's hardly a regulation in, in in the case of how the industry works, because uh, even the regulatory bodies, I don't see them really getting involved. The only time you see regulatory bodies getting involved is maybe like when you bring your film, they look at it and then rate it and and vet it and say, okay, this is this is, I give you a rating and all that. Yeah. And then you have the other the other boards like the census board and the rest, maybe when you go. But there's nothing that stops organizations like census board and other regulatory bodies from organizing little meetings and little lectures and just meetings. It's yeah. not about that sledgehammer to just, okay, you've done something wrong, I smashed you. That's, yeah. that's basically what it is. But you can do a lot better. That's, that's, that's what you should be thinking of. Yeah. Create an environment Invite these people, they come in, even if it's a one-day workshop or something, if it's not a workshop, just a little gathering in a simple atmosphere, have some drinks, talk, you have a little presentation, talk with them. Yeah. Let these people have a direction. That's the reason why you're the regulatory body, mm -hmm. but they are all asleep. All yeah. they're doing is looking for who goes wrong, so we'll deal with you. Yeah. You could do better than that, because in other countries, they do that. They invite people, they have people come over. You have discussions, so you have a direction. When I was in college in, in, in Birmingham, I remember one, some, some guys, because the, the college normally brings like major players in the industry yeah. to come and like talk to you and have a lecture, just briefly, maybe an hour or two with the student, then you interact with them, because that is a great way, because the, the, the university believes that once you get to know the major players, that's one step in the door. If he comes to your college now, for, for instance, let's take Nigeria for instance. One college in Nigeria brings RMD to come and have a lecture yeah. and talk, okay, or a major filmmaker like uh, Moabudu, she comes to your university yeah. and then she has a talk with the students. Within that period, a lot of students will get to know her one-on-one. -on -one. 
-hmm. She probably will exchange cards with them numbers. You have access to more yeah. just from that. Yeah. Do you understand? An access you probably would never have had in your life. You have it right there because your school had organized this. Yeah. But in Nigerian, Nigerian schools don't even do that. Organizations don't do this. They don't even seem to realize how they're supposed to operate. They're not helping the students. All they think about or the players in the industry, all they think about is how do we make money from these people? How do we get things from them? How do we get... No, yeah. you're supposed to provide for them as well. And that's one other reason why you see... Uh, when you hear people talk about guilds like actors guilds, film directors, whatever, and the rest, people are not falling all over themselves to be part of it. Yeah. Why? They should be. We all should be falling all over ourselves to be part of it. In fact, it should be a situation where when you're trying to tell you, no, you're not good enough, go and do something and then get this and come. Yeah. To be a director, to be chosen as a DOP, a top cinematographer in the US when you enter the association, or cinematographers or directors and the rest, you are referred. Yeah. You can't just get in, you are referred. And you're struggling to get in there. Why? Because once you get in there, you are as good as me. Hmm. Because they offer you the best deals. People are going to look at this. Okay, you are of this, you belong here. So all the top corporations are going to want to employ you. Yeah. Major films, filmmakers want to get your services and the rest. But here, even if you belong to the acting Actors Guild and the rest, so what? Yeah. It doesn't make a difference. So if they can position themselves like that, then we'll probably have the right narratives. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a helpful way of standardizing stuff so that you know what you're yeah. getting. Yeah. So yeah, you have um, a directing credit, a writing credit, an editing credit, and um, a DOP well, credit. But, but I focus more on to writing and directing. Yeah. So what does it mean to you to be a multidisciplinary filmmaker? I I think it's a great thing. And then also, I see people, I see a lot, I've met a lot of people in the process locally yeah. here in my country. And they tell you they, they went to film school. Yeah. Then when you ask them about certain fields, they've got no clue. And then they say, okay, they are directors. Yeah. Well, I find it strange, but it may be, maybe that's how it works, but I find it strange because that's not what I was taught. In the London Film School, they teach you every aspect of filmmaking first. Yeah. Then in your final years, you choose what direction you want to go. Do you want to be a director? you want to be a sound? This and that. But you must learn everything. So once you learn everything, there's a reason for that. If I'm going to direct and I don't know how to edit, yeah. do you know how difficult it's going to be for the editor by the time I bring the materials? Mm -hmm. Even though you've learned certain things in school on how you're directing and all that and that, blah, blah, blah. And another thing too, there are a lot of directors. I, I am that school, that field, that school where the directors are actually, I have this thing, I feel like maybe some directors, they call themselves directors, but I don't, I don't regard them as directors. They only direct your your acting and the rest. Yeah. I don't think that's good enough. As They're far not as directing the whole narrative at all, because you should be involved in. You should understand the lens that's going to be used on your camera, because the shot itself tells a story. Mm. The color on your screen tells a story. The the mood, everything is created by your colors, the lights, and all that. And if you're if you're a true storyteller, uh, you can't apply all that. 
then I don't see why you should be called a director. Yeah. You should just sit yourself down and do something before you get to that point. And which is why, if you notice, when they talk about top directors in, in, in the world, they went through a process. They didn't just jump up and become directors. Yeah. Even some great actors, after many years of acting, they begin to cut their teeth. They want to direct, but yeah. eventually begin to go to that. Like uh, this lady, what's her name? Um, I've forgotten her name. Isari? No, not, not her. The, the white lady out there. I, I'm surprised I'm forgetting her name. She she acted. She was the first uh, in the Tomb Raider, the actor in the Tomb Raider. Um, Angelina. Angelina Jolie. She, she's directed. Yeah. And when I watched her, her movie, I was engrossed. But it took her a long time to go into that. Yeah. She took time to learn the process and went through a lot. And when I saw her first movie, I loved my heart for her because she, she actually done it and she did it right. Yeah. So you see, that's what I'm saying. So you, you come, so if, if I come on the set and you're telling me you're, you're a director, I've seen that a lot locally, that you're a producer. I've had to, I've had to do a job for somebody who wanted me to do, to direct a project for him. He produces films. But at the end of the day, I ended up producing and directing for him and it wasn't fun. Yeah. So how did you just become a, a producer? Oh, because you had funds to make a film. Yeah. Having funds to make a film doesn't make you a producer. Maybe the best you can do is just make yourself an executive producer. Exactly. Let a producer handle this job. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what it takes to be a producer. There's so much. People go to school to study how to become producers and you think you can just jump in there and become a producer. Yeah. So those are the things we're going through. We're going through a lot. There's a lot of confusion in the industry because everybody jumps in. They, they tell you these days, well, cameras are cheap, just shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah. I'm not of that school of thought. I still think you need to learn the why because they tell you, okay, you can learn everything on YouTube. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You can't learn everything online. Mm. You need to learn. Like There's a reason why people go to school. And then for others, who come out and eventually be able to do well, you find out that someone taught them the why. Yeah. You don't learn the why on YouTube. You don't learn the why on social media. Yeah. You learn the how. And people don't understand what I'm saying when I say the why. Hmm. Why are you doing this? Why have you decided to eat food? There's a reason. Once well, you understand the reason. you using a slider. Yes. Once you understand the reason, then you're in the right position to actually execute, execute anything. But not the how. You, you, can, you, can, you can know how to draw. You can know how to enter a car and drive it. Or you can know how all those things. But you need to know the why. Why am I leaving my house now to go to this place? That's the major thing. So when you're making a film, when you're directing the rest, why am I making this film? Some people just say, okay, I just want to make a film. So you need to learn the why. And they'll teach you the why in college. And that why is what I'm saying now, for instance. Why am I applying this picture? You see some pictures, some films. Images are fantastic. Sometimes they put a wonderful image there. Yeah. Why did they put it there? Because it's a wonderful image. But how does that add up to the story? Is it helping that story in any way? No. Yeah. But the image is fine. You find that a lot from people who didn't go to school to learn these things. Yeah. It's just a fine image. So put it there, it's fine, it's fine. The colors are nice, put it there. But the story, what is the story character about? Who is that story character? For instance, if your story character is 
a depressed person, how are you going to reveal that to the people without coming out to say he's depressed, he's depressed? One image on the screen can tell everyone that this person is depressed. Yeah. And that comes from you really understanding it. So those are the things. Yeah. Your most notable works are um, A Soldier Story 1 and, and two. 2. Those are the ones, man. Yeah. How I haven't do you, done many. Yeah. So I can't come and start bragging about it. So people have like 20, 50 films to their names. Yeah. Kudos to them, but I don't have many. Yeah. So, um, yeah, how did the idea for A Soldier Story, how did it start? Okay. Uh, a Soldier Story, first and foremost, if you notice, I've got this thing for soldier stories and all that because I remember there's a friend who said, you, you and soldier stories, you're always telling soldier stories in the world. Okay, well, sometimes, like I've come to realize that in life, you can only talk about what you know, you, your experience. Your experience is either from you going through it or you seeing other people because you can have an experience from watching somebody else go through a process or hearing about someone else's. Yeah. So, my older sister, I would at a point was married to a military officer. They're divorced now, but she was married to a military officer. So, and I, I spent a lot of time with her. Yeah. So it it kind of helped me get to see what the spouses and the rest of military people what they go through. Yeah. Because sometimes we we what we look at is if, if a guy if a guy is a soldier and he goes out there to war, you're thinking about the guy alone. Or or a girl is a soldier and goes out there to to, to war, to the war front, you're thinking about them. But you don't realize that the wife of that guy or the of of that soldier or the husband of that soldier or the children of those, the, the soldier or the family members and friends yeah. are also going through a lot. Sometimes it is so much the emotional fear. You know that thing where someone walks out of the door, as a person walks out of the door, you, you are here praying that I hope this guy comes back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's serious. That's serious. People don't realize that. That's really serious because Picture those soldiers now that are probably sent to those hot areas like in the north, like uh, to go and take care of uh, insurgency and the rest. Yeah. Picture what goes through their, the minds of their family members, their wives in particular, when they leave. and Because they, they're probably like waiting to keep hearing from them that, okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay every day. Yeah. So if a day passes and they don't hear, imagine what happens. So in that process, uh, at, at a point, there was a coup then when I was at my sister's house. There was a coup and then the husband was called. He got a signal to, to leave the house and rush over. Yeah. So he left. There was my sister. I was a young boy. I didn't know what was going on. But I just noticed that she was not herself. She was scared. She was worried. What's going on? Because yeah. the husband had been called. And they had to go and quell the coup. Because the man then was a major. And she had just been out of college. So imagine the fear. Yeah. And then you see you, the young one now in the house. In her house. I could have been in my parents' house, but I just like the fact that I would be freer there. I was a teenager. Yeah. So I'll be freer in her house to run around. <laughs> As a secondary school boy, you'll be freer in that house. Because yeah. this is a sister. There's a, there's a limit. Your sister will tell you, will stop you from just at least hanging out, playing around with others. Like, mm. 
So I had those experiences within this period and it, it affected me and has been reflecting in the stories I tell. Yeah. So you see, those influences, things that have happened, are coming out in my stories. But I also want to tell some, a lot more other stories. I'm just starting out. So let's see where the direction takes me. But I think I have that thing about the military, the forces and the rest, because I think those people are sacrificing a lot for the country. Yeah. Even though these days we, we have this worry that uh, a lot of them have gone, they're almost politicians and the rest. Mm. But the soldier that we knew as Nigerians then used to be, and I still believe that we still got those ones in the, in the lower ranks, are truly people who are sacrificing. Because I mean, they go out there, they sleep in the bushes, people are celebrating birthdays and Christmas, they're out there. Mosquitoes are biting them. You have that even with the police as well, because if you think of it, yes, we do have a lot of corrupt people, officers and the rest in different, in the military, in the police and the rest. But think about a policeman who steps out, like you're driving at night, he's out there on the, on the street yeah. with his gun. Late at night, cold weather, whether it's raining or not, he's out on that street. Or maybe in the hot sun, in the afternoon, is out there like the traffic warden stands there and controlling traffic and then people drive past and some people insult them hey stupid man that's a lot of work man yeah. it's a lot I, I can't see myself doing that so I say kudos I, I, I respect that so I want to tell stories like that I want to tell stories about the Nigerian the everyday Nigerian not the I'm not that one that wants to tell the, the rich stories it's not like I can't tell them or yeah. I won't tell them but at this point in my life, I think I want to tell the story of that Nigerian who's putting a lot of effort, not that one who's sitting at the top political office, enjoys everything and doesn't even know what it takes yeah. to keep the country running. That's not my hero. My hero are these ones, the young men and the young women who are out there laying their lives on the line, probably killed and nobody even thinks about them. They drag their bodies and bury them somewhere. But they, they died for Nigeria. Yeah. Those are our heroes. And I don't think we have heroes these days. Nobody's, we're not, we're not pushing them. We're, we're rather pushing the one who goes and snatches ballot boxes and then gets some real power, or political power and clout, and drives the biggest cars and lives in acres of land. Yeah. I've got to change that thought. And that's my narrative. That's what I'm saying as a filmmaker and a storyteller. There is a purpose. What's your dream? How do you want to impact the people? That's how I want to impact the people. I want my films to create somewhat people to pick things away from the film. When you watch it, you take something away. Yeah. Create a, narr a, a, a narrative and create a discussion. So people will say, okay, uh, maybe if, if, if filmmakers are really serious and we put things together, we can change the mindset of our young stars. Mm. But right now, every young star believes that, ah, oh, if you, if you can just carry a hammer at the back of your pocket, because they're saying you need to hammer, you need to hammer. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's what we've created, it's the impression we've created. So, yeah. so it's up to us to reorientate our people. And that's the only way Nigeria is going to move forward anyway, because if everyone just keeps thinking about how do we get this money, how do we get this money, then it's going to end with us trying to steal power, forcefully get into power, even when people don't like you, you look for ways and bribe your way to get into power, so that once you get there, you can now have your wealth. But I think Nigeria should be able to go back to when there was respect for what you do and respect your men, respect your women. Mm. And because, because it's, it's, it's all like, even when you watch, like if you watch a music video, 
there's no respect for our women anymore. It's the way they, they, they place them in, uh, like objects of, I don't know how to put it. And, and, then, and then the women are, a lot of the young women are falling into that. They want to be, they want to be that, but you're not selling yourself right to, to the public. Yeah. So I, I want to do my own part in, in telling those stories. Okay. So, you know, like, um, you know, creating stories, it takes time. It does. Yeah. And, you know, with time, you just kind of get a new perspective and you can edit these stories. For soldier story, like, how long was it in the works before you decided to shoot? Which of the soldier stories? Um, one the first one. The first one. The first one, like I told you, started from the harbinger that, that didn't work. Yeah. So it took a long time. I forgot about that for a long time and I was working on it. So the title, the initial title for a soldier story was Why You Slept. Because this, that soldier at the point, the major had gone out to war mm. and he was attacked and left for dead. So they assumed he was dead. And he was in a coma for a long time. Yeah. And he was picked up by some scavengers because there was a war going on in that country. And so these girls, two girls, they were both friends and they were always scavenging to survive. And one of them is a medical doctor. So she realized the guy was alive and took him in. So he was in a coma for a long time and she was tending to him. Yeah. So you can picture that. Back home, the military thought he was dead and had given him a military funeral and all that and everything. So you could see why the title was while you slept was still cool. Yeah. But I was driving through the street of Lagos, then Lekki, to be precise. I was going somewhere. I was just actually going to, to meet my business partner that we're applying to do this. Then I now saw one uh, boys, one of those Lagos, those BRTs, and there was a, a film banner on the wrap around on it. I think in Yedo was so when the rest were on that on the poster and the right the title was Why You Slept. Yeah. I called my friend and I was driving, I called <laughs> my friend. What the heck? This yeah. is happy notes like this. There's a film called this. He said, that's true. It just came out this year. I said, okay, no yeah. problem. Because we I was already toying with that other title, so we just switched it straight yeah. to a soldier story. So that's so, so it took it took a while getting to that point. And then again, like I told you, went through a process of what's the funds that came from the screen, uh, Nollywood, uh, that's the government, the funds they gave. Yeah. So the, the script I submitted to them then was titled While You Slept. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. And it took over a year before those funds came through. And then prior to that, it taken some time. So it did take some time in the works. To okay. come yes. So for, um yeah, a soldier story one, how did you go about like, you know, breaking down this story. There are not many kind of war action stories out there that you can use as a template. So how did you approach it? Uh, I just wanted to, okay, basically, I just, like, for me, I've been watching a lot of military films before. And like I told you, read military comics, yeah. war comics, commando, battle, and the rest. I read a lot of that. And then I watched a lot of uh, military films like they, they were like Battle of the Bulge, I watched Battle of the Bulge, I watched um, even a TV series then called, ah, I think it was called Combat 2, I think it was called Combat, I can't remember then, but it used to be on Saturdays in the afternoon like that, they showed it on TV, so I watched a lot of that, 
saw a lot of these military films, and there was one other one where they, they went, the Germans, the, the American soldiers were going to go and rescue some captured people from the Germans and all that. So I already knew that and had a template for military films, yeah. the directions and the rest. But one thing I realized, regardless of what kind of film you're making or story you're telling, there should be some love angle to it. Mm. So basically, they, we had to put our love angle to our story because there is no great story without love. Because it creates empathy. Yeah. People begin to want to say, okay, would they make it? Are these lovers? Are these people? So that we had to put into it. So it wasn't that difficult for me. What was difficult is being, how are we going to achieve this? How are we going to make it realistic? Because actions in film are difficult to reignite, yeah. uh, which is why I don't blame people when they decide that they want to just do uh, drama. Yes, we have a lot of drama yes, and, and comedy. You come there and this. Well, that's okay. That's a safe way to go. If you want to do that and be safe, fair and fine. But you see, you can't hit great greatness without taking risk. Hmm. And, and, and I, I don't want to go out without leaving a mark. And that's what my business partner's dream to Martin, Martin Oyebado. He believes that we need to make, put the, the country on the map and then make a mark for ourselves as well. So that by the time we're out of the industry, people will say, okay, at least these people did this. And a lot of young stars will come and say, ah, I watched this guy's film and it motivated me. After all, people motivate us as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's a dream we want to have. Because I, I, I know, like when I was on the radio, then people like MI were the young ones in, 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 the, in the town, in Jaws. Mm. MI and uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Plantation Fra Boys. Uh, no, Plantation Boys. They are already blown. They're blown. Because when I was in the university, even Two Face was in the university. Okay. Of, uh, the only difference was. He, he wasn't, they were just hanging around the university. I think yeah. his, his, his diploma course didn't work. Yeah. But we're all in the university. So plantation boys could have been young boys then. They, we have mates because mm. we're in the university together. I don't know about that, but I know Two-Face was in the university. We're in Joss, uni Joss together at that time. Mm. Yeah, but unfortunately, it didn't go through. I think he left. But it's the Emma and the rest I'm saying, those are the young ones who were running around mm. the hood, yes. They were the, the young stars. How do McCurry, who yeah, was some years below me in the university. So those are like, oh, and Paul, who was also part of Chocolate City. Mm. But you see, when those people now, and the ice springs were not, you are running to them like the last time, the first time I ran into them when I came back from this. So we used to listen to you when you were on the radio. Yeah. See, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It influenced their rapping and the rest. Because I was playing a lot of hip hop. Yeah. So I had an influence on these young boys. And look at where they've got, gotten to. Look at how big they've become. Yeah. And became masters of that field. So you would always, and there would be other people who would come up tomorrow and tell hey, Mike, we listen to you. Yeah. And this is where we got. So that's it. That's it. We need to leave that mark. So while we're thinking of doing the soldier story, because of that problem of how do we get this to look realistic enough? To be candid, I still feel that we didn't get it that well, you know, but we did our best and people were happy with it, so we're happy. Yeah. We were happy. Because the gunshots, the flares and all that and that, yeah. we tried. Story was good, so that was a major thing, major factor. The story, people liked the story, they liked the, uh, the, the different twists and the rest and the revelations at the end and all that. People loved that, so we're happy about that. But 
I felt we could have done better, yeah. but we didn't have the funds. But since it was received so much and then uh, won, it was the highest, it received the highest awards for 2016, uh, 2015, 20, is it 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017, had the highest award, got AMBCA, I don't know, I got nominations, I got to win. Uh, best director for, from uh, what, yeah in New York, so all that, so all those things. That's the joy when you do when you put your job together. Yeah. The joy is the acceptance by your people, and that's what now pushed us to Soldier Story too. Because when we tried our best with this, even as a fight scene, that's that's that one I was very proud of. The fight scene, it it looks so real that when I went to cinema, there was a day when the cinema, my business partner watching with Martin, my friend. The girls were screaming and said, do you want to kill him? Now, that means it worked. Yeah. It worked. And everybody that saw that fight scene says, man, this is the best fight scene ever in any Nigerian movie. And I can, I, can, I can hit my chest now and say, it's true. Yeah. It's true. There's been no fight scene close, close to, to that fight scene between Bossman and Major Egan. So how did you guys prepare for that scene? I've been trying, I've been learning how to create, to, to choreograph fight scenes, the camera angles, the edits, because those things matter a lot. The edit in particular is amazing. A lot of people don't know how to cut fight mm -hmm. scenes. So that's a problem. You need to learn that. It took me time learning that and I got it. And then the camera angles, and then again, Daniel too is physical. Yeah. So you see your, your characters also, the, the actors also matter when you put them into the, the role they're playing. Yeah. So Daniel killed it. And I guess also the sound design helps. Exactly. When we're editing the sound, in, 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 because our editor, our sound person is in the US, Scott Jennings. Scott used to work for Disney, so he has his own company. I worked with another guy now for a company called um, Artistry in Sound in Burbank, California. Artistry in Sound did the sound for Italian Job and many other films. So those are their big. Yeah. So they know how to cut things like that in terms of the sound. The punches are real. And that's another thing that helped us too, because when they were doing the sound design, the gunshots, you see like when we make films in, in, in local films here in my country, I had to explain that to a friend. She, she wants to make films, so I told her that, look, it's going to cost you X amount minimum to do a good sound design for this film because you're talking about gunshots and all that, a lot of gunshots and the rest. She could not bring her mind to understanding what I was talking about. Yeah. Why did she spend so much money? So because here's the thing, when Soldier Story 1, the same thing, Soldier Story 2, the same thing. When, when they're cutting the sound, when they're editing, they're designing the sound, Scott always gets an expert, a gone expert, mm -hmm. comes into the studio for the whole day to sit and pick the right sounds of the guns. This is someone who has been in the military before yeah. and understands guns. He handles guns, he does gun training. So he understands the sound of every gun. So for every gun that is shot in that film, the sound is right. But if you notice in a lot of our films locally, they pick one sound of a gun and slap it on different guns. Yeah. They just pick, you see sometimes they pick a .45 and put it on different other pistols and the rest. No, they sound different. Yeah. And then they sound different too based on where they are being shot. If you shoot a gun in the open, 
out there, it sounds different from maybe shooting in a small room, yeah. a loud room, and all those things. So those things mean a lot, and you're going to pay an expert to come and do that. Mm. And Scott is an expert in sound, but he doesn't do it himself. He brings another expert to lay all the gun sounds on all the guns. Yeah. Then if it's their car chase and the rest, they bring an expert in that to come and do that. So you see why their jobs are that good. Mm. And then they pay them. So when they pay them, you have to pay them and mm. pay everybody yeah. so that the bill goes up. And when I was trying to explain this part, she didn't understand, but I didn't want to tell about all that. I said, I was just telling her, Look, you're going to need X amount. You just can't just, you, there's so much action in this, your story, shooting, fighting, and this, and you think it's going to, even in the fight scene, the reason why that worked too, like I'm saying in the soldier story, I'm giving that as a reference. Mm. In the soldier story, the punches, where, the way they will sound, you know that, yes, this is actually a punch to the face. There's a punch to the face. There's a punch to the belly. There's a punch to the... All those things. So they did that, and it helped. Then they now used... There was a sound score that was supposed to run. Initially, they didn't want that score. So I now said, Scott, you don't think we should put a sound score here? Like, let it go into... Let the score take you into the fight. Mm. Initially, he said, ah, this thing is fine the way it is. But, let, but think about it. Let me just try. He now added it. And it worked perfectly because as it goes into the fight, the score kind of like takes you in. Yeah. Then, so they did it. They did. They did a good job. Scott did a great job there, and he has a great team. Yeah. Has a great team, and he never works alone. You see, like here, one person will probably do so many things, but there, once they give you a bill, you know it. You understand. You yeah. studied outside the country. You know how it works. They give you a bill. That bill means they're going to be paying other mm -hmm. people, and then they bring. So that's how it was. And, so the fighting was amazing because the sound was good. It was realistic when you hear the punches. Yeah. And then the action, the acting was good. And the fight was good. And then the cuts were good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You also shot and edited Suggestory edited, 1. Yes. Um, I edited it. Why, why did you make that decision? Uh, here's the thing with me in, in terms of uh, the specific areas I feel you would know that the specific areas that are like game changers in filmmaking. Yeah. First, the script. That on its own, you can't you, you, you can't you can't change that. That's yeah. that's you, that's what it is. Of script has to be great. Yeah. Next part, the directing has to be good. Once it's been directed and the script is good and the direction uh, directions are great. The editing can change the whole thing. Mm. If the edit is poor, the film is messed up. You can pick a lousy film and re-edit it, and all of a sudden it becomes the bomb. And you can pick a great film and edit it poorly, and it's gone. So those areas I don't play with, which is the same too with like if I'm going to do my I'm directing, I need my I work with specific DOPs because I trust them. Yeah. So those areas, so if I'm going to give any part I feel I cannot get somebody to do better than myself, then there's no point giving somebody that. Yeah. So, but if I can get somebody to do better than myself that, that I can afford, because there are people who can do everything better than I can do at this mm -hmm. point, but their fees are high and yeah. I have to fly them into the country. But locally here, I don't know of a film editor that will edit better than I can edit because I think what they, most times what they think of is in editing, what they think of is, can you use the um, 
Don't lean at the NLE very well, the, yeah. the software very well. No, that's Probably not anything. Just but, go for the last thing. Yes, this because in in the London film school, what I was taught was the editing is not the software. Yeah, it's your ability to think. It's those those pictures, those, where to replace images. Mm. They used to give us images that don't meet. They don't mix. They're just completely off, shot differently, lousily, and the rest. Yeah, and then you make them make sense. Yeah. That is editing. But I've met several editors locally here. They believe it's who knows how to use the software. That's not it. That's not editing. Editing is not about the software. Mm. It's about how to put the story together, when to reveal what, when to mm. do this and that. That is editing. So if I can't find someone who will do better than me, there's no point giving that. Yeah. Because those I know that can do better than me, I can't even afford them. So why bother? If I'm going to push this to an editor, so. The, in the Soldier Story 2, I did it with one other editor in the US. His name is Carol. I edited, sent to him, he edited some parts as well. So it got really, really tight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much we paid him. Well over five million for just his collaboration. Oh. In Nigeria, how many people are going to pay you five million to edit their film? They're not willing to put that kind of money down. Because yeah. it seems too much. But that is just co-edits, just, just doing a few things in the edit, not a major editor. I did mm. a major work, but he did a little part, and that little part, I saw the benefit of it. So you see what I'm saying? So that's the reason, and for that reason, I don't give out editing. I edit myself, and if the only time I'm going to do that is once we're ready, you know, we have that financial capability, mm. that we'll get the editor that you could just hand over and then go to sleep. Because people feel that the... You, you just once a director no 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 you can have your edit decision list as a director mm. and everything will, but by the time an, a good editor comes and sits and looks it's okay I think we should move this picture from here this scene throw it to that part bring this scene here bring that here yeah. and all of a sudden your, your story is amazing mm. so that's the reason why I haven't been using other editors I've been using I've been doing that myself yeah. because I can afford to pay myself the small money that we have. Yeah. Because if I'm going to pay those real editors, those top ones, I won't have the budget. We uh -huh. don't have the budget. But they'll come to a time where we're growing. We're growing to that point where we can actually, because we're being to pay better now. We're being to increase our budget in our films, believing mm -hmm. that, okay, investors too, you know how investors are. Yeah. They want to see what you've done. As it keeps going, they increase what they give to you. Yeah. So that's it. Okay. So um, you did um, Soldier Story 1, it was successful, people loved it, it won some awards. Yeah, what lessons did you take from the first one to... Okay. What we learned from a Soldier Story 1 is you can't wait for things to be perfect before you can get started. Yeah. The universe seems to align itself with you the moment you made your decision and made a move. We learn that because if you wait, you never get it started. When we started with the Soldier Story One, our budget was a lot smaller than what we thought. We ended up spending a lot more, and then people got involved too all of a sudden because they believed in what we we're doing, yeah. and that helped. And that has happened again in the Soldier Story Two. It helped us push to Soldier Story Two, and then another thing we learned from the lesson we learned from the Soldier Story One was. You've got to get the best hands in areas that, specific areas, 
get people who know better than you rather than those you'll be teaching yeah. to do any job for you. Even if it means you're paying them more, yeah. pay them more. It will save you all the problem. Because if you're getting, especially when you're first going out there, it's better you have the people who know much better because they will help you align where your, your weaknesses, they strengthen them and the rest. So that, it's a lesson we learned. And we took that to a soldier story too. And it was great because areas like a soldier story one, the color correction was fantastic. It made the film look like a film. It gave us the feeling of what it was, the grittiness and the rest, yeah. because we took this to somebody who was, who was good at what it does. Yeah. And the guy's name is Robert. Robert is a guy that, uh, he, he, he graded the first Uber commercials then in the US. Yeah. And then he's graded a couple of films and lots of stuff in the US. Young dude, he, he and his one of the girl, they, they run the small place. And the place is fantastic and they do a good job. I, I think Robert, Robert is probably like 22 or 23, or maybe, or less about that. But he's, he's gotten acquired too much knowledge in the process. Yeah. And so he automatically helped lift that film from one point to the next because the look were very suitable for what the story was telling. Yeah. See, he didn't just go there to color correct the film. No, no. He, he watched the story. He knew the, he felt the emotions, understood the emotions, and they tried to paint it accordingly. Hmm. And that helped. So it had that rough edge to it, that grittiness and the rest, the slum and all that. It came true in the film. Because I remember one of my friends, uh, a filmmaker, and really good video, music video director, Akin, Akin Alabi. Yeah. Then we hadn't, we hadn't met, he, he commented on it when he saw it. He said he liked the, 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 the grading. And Akin is quite good at what he does. So he pointed out, and we later became friends and all that. So you can see, he noticed that immediately. And other people too noticed that. So things like that help. Get people who are good to do what you want them to do. And uh, it, we, it translated to a soldier story too, because we had to do the same thing now. And the soldier story too, we got started. And then things fell in place. Because if you, if you, if you know that we spent, a, it was a budget, our budget has been, is over 150 million and spending. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine, where were we gonna get such money? We had a little capital to get started, just me and my business partner, but investors have taken it to that point, just because we started. Because I'm assuming if we had waited and gone to tell them that people that look, oh, we, we need you to come and put X amount for us to take it to this point and all that, they probably will not, because it, it, it will not make sense. But the fact that we've taken it to that level, we've done this, we flew a Robert in, we brought these people from Hollywood and the West, we're doing all this, we're talking to major studios in like Creator Studio who did uh, visual effects. Yeah. But and then the, the initial people that were supposed to color correct for us before we now change because of time limitation, uh, they, they, the guys, they did Pirates of the Caribbean and the rest. So they've done massive films. So when we're now talking to investors and they were seeing the people involved, these are studios, studios that are working with us and in the first place, they, never, they didn't want to, we had to sell the idea that look, we are Africans and we need to push this in this part of the world because we don't have the industry, we don't have the way with that, we need to grow. And based on that, they say, okay, yeah, let's see what we can do for you guys. Yeah. Because initially when we were speaking with Creator Studio, they said they've never done anything like this. They don't know how they're going to do this. Because our budget was not, I mean, how are we going to pay them? Mm. 
Mm. And what this how we're going to pay them? We're talking about hundred seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. And to them, it was not. They, they couldn't just. How are we going to use this? What is this? Is this money? Mm. Are you sure you want to make a film with this? But we eventually they looked at it as okay. We can assist. So you can imagine it. Imagine how small that money is to them. Yeah. But imagine how big that is to us here. And that's just for visual effects. Yeah. And so we had to cut off a lot of visual effects. They said no, no. Let's drop this. Let's drop this. Let's drop this. Let's drop this. Because the budget is too small. Mm. So imagine that. But that is an amount that if you tell a Nigerian filmmaker that yes, I can't, why am I going to get that kind of money to make the whole film and then market and do everything? They won't. So you see, we learned that because we jumped in, people supported. It's more like you jumped in, you're about to drown. So people say, I ah, don't let them drown. So they come, they come to your rescue. That's basically what the soldier story two was like making. The people came to our rescue. And that's what took us to this point. And then all those big bills were paid off and everything. And then also the facts, the other point where I talked about getting the best people, people better than you to, to work with you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Creator Studio handled the effects. And you can see that the visual effect is so realistic that people, nobody's complaining about that. Yeah. And that's what most Nigerians are scared of usually when they watch it. They say, ah, this is so tacky, they complain. Huh. Why are they doing these kind of effects now? But that's not the case here. Because we've got people who've been doing that on the regular to do it. And then the sound, we've got artistry and sound. These are people who make Hollywood movies. They do sound for major films. They've done sound for all these major films, like, uh, like I mentioned then, um, Italian Job and the rest. Yeah. So you go into their studio, you see major posters of different films they've done, and the major. So yours is just it's child's play to them. Mm. So you see the, the final effect. The quality is good. Color correction and grading. The guy who did the color correction has been in the this job for. He says he's been doing. He's been grading for the past 15, 20 years. Mm. So it's no big deal for him, and he's in Dubai. He did that. So you see how that all played out. Those are the things we learned from the first one. Yeah. Don't don't mess with this. Make sure this happens. And it does happen. Mm. And then the actors as well. We had to cut off some people that were that weren't coming through in the first one. Because they just take time forever. You're working with another thing that we learned is the fact that okay, you want to hire an actor and you don't, the other one's expensive, so you go for the cheaper one. Mm. You probably would end up spending, if you were going to shoot for one week with that expensive one, you may end up shooting for next, for the next one month or more with this cheaper one. Yeah. And then the cheaper one, because you forget that for every day you are on set, it costs you so much more. So, penny-wise, pound-foolish. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you got investors, you made the film. Like, how was this in Maron? Yeah, that's, that's the biggest. The cinema run for A Soldier Story 2, I'll tell you, was nothing that, in fact, was enough to have that would, something that would give you high blood. So we, we had thick skin yeah. in this part of the world. You, in some other parts of the world, you could just go and jump off the bridge. Yeah. With Third Mainland, you hear that, ah, Frankie and Martin went to the Third Mainland Bridge and jumped over the yeah. <laughs> Because, first of all, I don't like to make to sound bad towards some other people or to say things that may not seem too good about some people. But here it is. The first one, Soldier Story 1, the first Soldier Story was distributed by Genesis Cinema. Yeah. 
and it was the first Nigerian film they distributed. But for some reasons, I think logistics, because this film was supposed to have come out like two years earlier. They say this December is coming out for different reasons. It wasn't able to, the next one wasn't able to, then COVID came in and all that. Mm. So at a point, Genesis had some other projects. Yeah. And Genesis has been with us all the while. They were supposed to be looking forward to it and the rest, but they didn't distribute it again because at that point they had another project they were going to push. And we wanted us, so they wanted us to come after that because they already had another project they were pushing. Yeah. But my business partner, the world that the investors, for the sake of the investors, wanted it out within that period because it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to make sense to keep shifting and shifting and shifting. Mm. We shot the movie in 2018. Yeah. I don't know if you were aware of that. So coming out 2021, 2020, 2021, see, see how long that was. Yeah. So they now agreed that, okay, fine, Genesis would not be ready to, because Genesis was saying something like, they need to really, really put things in order to push the film. And this point, they cannot run it at the same time with these other projects. So we're going to push it sometime later in 2016. That gives them ample time once yeah. we finish with the round to come and focus on this, because these are not small films. Mm. But my partners wanted, the investors of my partners wanted this to go out. So it went out to so the got one other distributor. I'm not gonna name names, but those who had seen it would have seen their names as the distributors. These people didn't do us well, I'm sorry to say. I shouldn't be saying this, but they didn't do us well. It was horrible. It was horrible because there were things that were expected of distributors yeah. that never happened. There were things that were expected that never happened. And you see, here's the thing with the Nigerian distribution, uh, distrib most of the distributors. I don't know exactly what happens with everyone, but you have to pay certain fees, which is okay, because those fees are supposed to be used for the pushing of yeah. the project. Materials are going to and all those sort of different, a lot of things. Mm. We understand that. So that already puts you in a position where people don't realize that you need to bring funds out for to distribute your film, market the film and all that. So with these little funds that we push to this and that, you're expecting certain things to be done. The one that really got me worried and unhappy was the fact that the screen time was abysmal. We were getting screen time like 11 in the morning. Mm. Who is going to go and watch a film at 11 o'clock in the morning in Nigeria? And we're just coming out of COVID. Yeah. People are still trying to build confidence in going to the cinemas. Mm. You're giving, your distributor gets you 11 o'clock in the morning. Most of the screen times were around those period. The only, funny enough, Funny enough, Film One Cinema actually gave us better times. Yeah. Our distributor has a cinema. Our distributor was giving us two o'clock in the afternoon screening time. And you are our distributor. Yeah. And other films were running at the prime time. Then why are you the distributor? Mm. You see what I mean? Like I'm saying, I don't want to say this because it will fit, but you need to say this. Yeah. 
Because people need to realize how a distributor can make or mark a film. Yeah. So if, I, or if you're saying other people, other cinemas, the screening houses are not giving you good timing, what about you? You have a cinema yourself and you're giving us a lousy time. Do you get that? Yeah. Now at the point you begin to want to lose confidence, maybe you didn't do well. You begin to doubt yourself. Maybe this film is not good. Mm. Maybe you didn't do well. Maybe it's not good. Because that was basically what our distributor was beginning to make us feel like. And when my business partner would call them to say, look, this is I want to say I don't don't bring your uh, problem on me or if your film is not doing well, don't come on, don't blame that on me. Mm. Would the distributor be saying that? It's your job to make sure this film works. Yeah. And then those skateboarders, those boys, uh, roller skaters in town, they're a lot in Lagos. Yeah. They use them for advertising and the rest. So we personally, on our own part as a company, paid them for that. To go around, distribute those, uh, those uh, flyers and all that. Yeah. They came, one of, a couple of them called my business partner. We have it recorded. It recorded. The guy recorded it. Call him. So, okay, we're not happy. We don't know. We went to Ikeja because Ikeja normally is a strong cinema that's owned by Silverberg, where, yeah. where a lot of people it sells. Ikeja sells. Uh, Genesis sells. Film One sells. They do sell. They, they, those, they, get, they get a lot of influx. Yeah. There's a good traffic to those cinemas, those ones I'm talking about. So, this boy's call and said, We went there, we we're, were complaining. We're arguing with the, uh, the manager of the cinema that, how can you be giving this film? This is such a fantastic film. It's better than any film that you guys have here. Why are you giving this film one, uh, I think it was like 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. Is it right? So the manager said, who are you? Who, I, don't, I don't know you. Hmm. If, if, if the distributor is not complaining about the time, why are you guys complaining? We have that recorded. It was recorded. We have that recorded, yeah. the interview, uh, the, the chat or the talk, the call. So why are you complaining? If you, so you, you picture that, yeah. the distributor is not bothered because the distributors would reach out to these people, even if it's immense, because the reason why you're a distributor is because it's just like a producer. The reason why you're a producer is not just because you have the money, it's because you have the connects and all yeah. that. You call up people, you can call up favors, you can do all this. That's what makes you a great producer. Yeah. You call favors, you, do, you, could, you could place things, you could get things to move when others can. It's the same thing with a distributor. Because if you're a great distributor, you can make things move. Yeah. The film one people can call people and things will move. Genesis can do that. I can vote for those two. Yeah. Silverbird used to do that. I don't know if they still. They have they have the muscles. Yeah. So if your distributor doesn't have the muscle or even has the muscle and it's not muscling, then what was what was the point even distributing the film? Yeah. So I now called Joss. Someone from Joss told me, Ah, Frankie, what's going on? Your film has got a very poor timing here. Don't forget, that's the town I grew up in. Yeah. Went to university. I'm like a Joss boy. What do you say? When you say like like a guy was I'm a Lagos boy. Yeah. Yes. You're down by law in that town. So you got the connect. Even people you don't know anymore still know you because I, I was everywhere, grew up there, did a lot of things. I was on the radio there, went to the university there. So I know people and people know me. So he called me and said that. I'm like, are you for real? He said, yeah. He said, even, he sent me the poster there from the cinema or whatever. Even the name of the actors in our film, when it was listed amongst the other films, were not our actors, were not actors in our film. Yeah. How the, how the heck did they get these people to put that? Because, so I now called, they said I should call the, 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 the manager of the cinema. So I called them. The, the guy now said, well, this is the information that we got, that we, whatever we put in our whatever is how we got it. Mm. Our distributor didn't give them the right information. 
that. So I said, what's the, so how can we work? Okay, forget about that poster first, your poster, because like the, those weekly uh, pamphlets and then the posters where they tell you the different films shown in the cinemas, that one is just by the side. So how do we get good timing for this? Ah, that's difficult to maybe the owner himself. So now I call this other guy who spoke. We said, I beg you, you know the guy. The guy went to Unijos as well. Mm. So the guy knows you. You should know him. If you don't know him, he knows you. He was in Unijos. He graduated from. So he sent the guy's number to me. So I called him. He said, Ah, oh, Frankie, what's up, man? That's the owner. Can mm. you see? I'm having the connection to pull better than my distributor. Yeah. I said, I hear my. He says, Is that your film? I said, Yeah. I said, How come I hear we got 12 o'clock for screening time? I said, man, there's a lot of things going on here. He doesn't want to talk about it, but this is your film. Don't worry, we'll do something about it. Today, they'll move it to five o'clock. Next week, they'll take it to the prime time. Mm. I moved that myself. Same thing with my business partner in uh, his own state, because the cinemas they were saying they were not because of, uh, the, the owners of the cinemas had their own film that was coming, so they were not going to show us. Yeah. So my business partner calls because at the point my business partner was the uh, is it SA, a special advisor to the, the governor's wife then. Mm. So he, he, he had left that. So he calls, he has muscle, he calls. They call the they from the government house, they call the cinema house. If they don't show this film, we'll close down your cinema from <laughs> here. That's how we got our film going. Yeah. So you see, that's the muscle we're talking about. Our distributor was doing nothing. So at the mm. end of the day, we we came out with next to nothing. Well, a film of a hundred and something million. That's what I'm saying. You would have, you would have thought that if we didn't have thick skin, we probably weren't gonna jump over. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lucky, uh, Land Bridge or maybe the Koi Bridge and kill ourselves. Yeah. But as God will have it, we had pushed it to, and this same distributor wanted us to sign a deal for them to do. Um, to see how they can market it internationally, get some international marketers. Mm. We said no. They said they got some people. I think that it was a company from one from Europe, one from America. They sent us. We said this is what they've done and all that. But we just kept on saying no. Thank God we said no and said no and said no yeah. until the nonsense happened in the cinema. So we said no. Forget it. We're not even doing it again. Mm. Then Lionsgate came. Yeah. The moment Lionsgate came, we said, well, God knew why we were saying no. If we had signed that deal, that's what would have quenched this. Yeah. And the landscape would just turn the whole thing around. And that is what has given us the confidence. Because we were, we were having a, a video conference with the guys from Lionsgate. They were telling us that your film ticks everything, all the boxes for us. Yeah. But we're beginning to lose, doubt ourselves. We're beginning to lose confidence here because of the way they've treated our film. Yeah. We're beginning to feel that maybe we don't, we're not doing the right thing. Maybe the film was lousy and the rest. But here it was Lionsgate saying, the locations were exotic, and this is a great. You tick all the boxes for us, and if we think, if we don't believe in something, we don't put our money in it. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, so we're doing the right thing. Meanwhile, the people in Nigeria were always making us feel like we didn't do the right thing. Yeah. And the technical part. Yeah. So, like, what what did you guys have to do to make that deal happen, Lionsgate? They just had to like the qualities first and foremost. But we we reached out to a producer in the US through Eric Roberts' wife. Yeah. Eric Roberts is a producer as well in, in LA. So she said she was going to send it. We, we talked to her about it, even before the, the film came out in Nigeria. That was the plan. She had agreed that she would, like, like what they say, we shop it around. We, we yeah. send it around and see if anyone's going to pick it up. So she sent it to a particular producer who now took it up. 
and she was shopping for all that period we're going through this period and that was why we kept on saying no to these other people because yeah. she was saying nothing yet but don't worry just keep calm I love your film and I'm going to market it because she said she loved it that gave us some confidence yeah. because if it had gone to her and she said she didn't like it picture that we would have given up yeah. you probably would have signed this other stuff but the fact she said she loved it that this, it takes a while to get this thing going let's just take it easy because a lot of people are just coming out of COVID, that there were lockdowns and the rest. A lot of people still don't go to offices. So don't worry, I like the film. I'm excited about it. And I believe we can make, we can make this happen. Yeah. So there we just, that was the only hope. Because at the point we felt deflated, we felt we had done everything wrong. We didn't realize it was just the country trying to destroy something good. Yeah. And that's, it's now turned out to be the first film to be distributed by a major Hollywood studio. Yeah from Nigeria. And this is the same thing they tried to kill. They were giving, putting the wrong timing. They were all giving us times to just let people not watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, because people go to cinemas from in the evening most yeah. times, except weekends, you go around four or five and the rest. Yeah. But most days you're, you're there like from six and above because you have to close from work. Yeah. And then they take a soldier story and put it at a time like 11, 12 and one o'clock in the afternoons yeah. on working days. And then they will come and tell you, it's not selling or people are, how is it going to sell? Hmm. You're killing it. You're killing it. Yeah. So that's what we've learned from these people. It, it, it's, a, it's a battle and a dirty battle out there. I remember Genevieve Nadji at the point when she did that film, Lionheart. Lionheart. She blasted the market. See, they're like hawks. They're destroying the industry. Yeah. So that's, that's where we are. You're going to make money from this. It's not your film, yes. But it's a film you're going to make money because the more you screen, the more you make money. You're sharing this money. You're even taking the bigger percentage. Yeah. Put it out there. People are going to watch it. No, but you rather not put it out there because give it back time so that people will not come and say that's, that film was successful. Yeah. Is that fair? So those are the things you're going to have to look at, that the industry has to look at. Yeah. And I guess like with the whole um, valuation of film, you know, when it gets the cinema, there's the exhibitor share, there's the yeah, distributor yeah. share. And for the distributors, it's like a gamble. They believe in your film, they are going to put it, and that's what they are getting, that's the stake they are getting back. And basically, some of these distributors actually like put money into the marketing. Um, see, to be candid, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. The ones who put money like that, uh, I don't really know, I don't know how to put it, but here's the thing. You would say it's a gamble for the distributors, but that's what it's supposed to be. But yeah. it's not a gamble for them yeah. because they ask for certain fees to be paid. Yeah. When we worked with Genesis, Soldier Story One, they didn't ask us for anything. All they asked for was when we we're going to do the premiere and some other thing. If there are materials that need to be, they'll tell you, give you the price, and those prices were verifiable. Mm. So I don't know about now, but I can say that for them. I'm not trying to sell their market and the rest. But I've just been sincere how they dealt with us as a then. We didn't have to start paying them fees like outrageous fees. I don't know how film one does it, but I can tell you that this other, this distributor wanted a certain amount and we had to keep bidding down. When they got their amount, I think they were happy that, okay, whatever happens, we, we made our money. Yeah. Some millions have been paid to us. They crossed their hands, crossed their legs, and sat back. 
whatever the film makes, that's a bonus. But we got paid already up front. That's what's happening. That's what's happening to filmmakers in the country right now. Yeah. That's what you face. They tell you you need to pay a certain amount for this because they're going to use it for this, use it for Fine. Some of the things, we had to do them ourselves again. The t-shirts, we had to reprint them ourselves. All the stuff, we had to do them again and put back out there. Yeah. So it's not a gamble. They don't want to gamble. Mm. They're making sure they make theirs upfront. But the ideal thing is you take a chance on it, put in something and push it. Because once you... You're gonna sh- you're gonna take a percentage from this film. Yeah. But what some of them are doing now is they want to make sure they make the money from what you those the money they ask you to pay up front for those specific things. Yeah. So those money's coming to their pockets. They know that okay, whatever happens, no big deal. We got money in the bank. So if it makes money there, it's a bonus. It's yeah. fine. So that's where the problem is because if every film is being pushed, the way film one pushes. Films made by film one. The films, film one's own films that they are pushing. I don't know, I'm not saying made. The films they push as their own films. Yes. If everyone else can push films the way film one pushes films that they call their own films, you will see a miracle here because those guys push films. They push their films. They push their films. They push wedding party. They push the rest. Mm. Not necessarily because of the quality, but because the marketing is fantastic. So you must go and watch while it's in your ears, it's in your face and all that. So if all the distributors can push all films to that level, because that's what the American distributors, what the distributors do, they push it. Lionsgate told us that what they do is they put everything out there and go for broke. So why can't people do that? Mm. At the end of the day, you're making money from it. So why leave the filmmakers to, do, to die? Then you leave them out there to dry. Whatever happens, happens. You give them timings that are horrible. If you feel that, if you're saying because you don't have enough screens, then don't release films until you, fin- you can schedule the release yeah. across the year. So people understand that, look, yours are not coming here, though. Why? Because it got to fit into this period. So we give you maximum exposure yeah. within this period for every film. But you take on these films, and you say there's not enough screen, there's not enough screen. But one film from you guys would have, in the same day, it will be on 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Because it's your own film. Then from another person, a film that's better than yours, is given 12 in the, in, in the afternoon or 1 in the afternoon. So it's not about the screen time. Yeah. It's ju- you're just not helping the industry. Yeah. Not many people are saying this. Nobody wants to say this. Yeah. Keep it quiet. But I think it's gotten to a point where we need to say this because at the end of the day, if you push the films well, you still make the money. There's a sharing formula. Yeah. And you don't just make the money. You're building the industry. We're building the industry. But it looks like in Nigeria, nobody wants the next person to do well. Yeah. Because as you make yeah. money, you have money to put into the next one. The next one. Help the industry grow. Support the industry. And look at it like a Nigerian industry. They're not doing that. We need to do that. There are networks coming all over, like Netflix and the rest. And Netflix will not bring the American staff here. They use Nigerian staff. Mm. 
Those staff in that place should see it as their responsibility to make Nigerian film industry grow. Look for the best films from Nigeria. Push them. Mm -hmm. Don't push your friend's films. If my friend's film is not good, tell that your friend that, look, go and improve on your quality. We will push your job. That is what I I would expect that we'll do. But the whole sector, the whole film industry in Nigeria is, is, it's difficult. People, when they say the, they tell the birds, the sky is big enough for everyone to fly. That's what I would want to tell our filmmaker, our film marketing and whatever distribution companies and the rest and producers. Let's stop trying to make, say it's mine. Let me make mine push. Yeah. If if the next producer's film, if Steve Booker's film is fantastic, please push it. Push it to the maximum. Let's all push it because that is going to bring more audiences to the theaters, to the place. We have a hundred and something million. Isn't that what they say about population? So if we can tap just 10 million every time a film is made, do you know what it brings to us? So why are we fighting and killing instead of developing where we're trying to stifle if Salem makes a film I say it's not mine so I've tried to stifle it. Mm. Why? Yeah. Well, congrats on um, the distribution deal and I guess there's also another part for um, the third film. There is. Yeah, congrats. Because this, the whole idea, thanks, the whole idea is this supposed to be a franchise project. So it's supposed to be a soldier story. That's one of the reasons why Lionsgate is really interested in it, because it's a franchise. So they want to be involved in the next one. So that's what they told us, that they'll be interested in getting involved in the, the third one. So that already has given us a good position to start from. Yeah. Because they, they, the whole idea is they, they're going to put money in this time up front yeah. to help us show it. So that's a good thing for us. That's, that's great. So once we can push that, and then the whole thing, this, this is opening doors because it's not just opening doors for us. It's opening doors for everybody. Yeah. That's what we should be realizing. It's opening doors for everybody. Let's do this for everybody. If it opens for us, it opens for the next person because if they see... They begin to trust in us. They'll not feel that you're not the only one coming from that country. There should yeah. be other ones. Then they'll have a listening ear to other filmmakers. Yeah. And maybe some other studios would maybe Warner Brothers will now say, okay, let's look there. If, if Lars Gate has done this, let's see. Maybe there's so it's all for our own benefit. That's mm. what we don't seem to realize. But we just want to hold it. It's mine, or don't let the next person. I think I think we should have a reorientation, a change of heart. Yeah. Maybe that same thing we we're discussing earlier that we could have like regulatory bodies calling people together. Yeah. For instance, this kind of thing happening now, it's a it's a groundbreaking situation. I don't see why okay, net uh, all the major networks have put it on TV, talked about it, radio, all that. that. Yeah. This is where organizations like even if it's the Censors Board or is it the Nigerian Film Corporation, all those kind of people should this is the kind of point you, you call a gathering to it, invite people, even it's a small dinner, they come say, How much does it cost you people? Say, say, look, this thing that has happened like this, we need to get to tap in so that every other film, whatever taps in, and what kind of stories will be required? How do we work on this? Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Other people just feel bad about you and you, you notice that you'll be on air talking, they're interviewing you, and you see people logging in, but they're never reaching out to you. Yeah. But we, when I see all these things happening to other, I reach out to them because I need to let them know that, look, we're, we're in support, we mm. respect this. Well done. 
when Jennifer uh, got that, I know I was posting. Someone asked, ah, why was, how does that benefit you are posting her? I said, because I was saying people should go and watch it on Netflix. This I said, because she's opening doors for us. Anyhow, yeah. you look at it. What she's done here, because of what Genevieve did with the net. Netflix is in Nigeria now. Yeah. They're in Nigeria. And people are getting in for a bit. Yeah. So be, be happy about it. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, you, you did um, part one, part two. When you were starting, um, how did thinking of this project as a franchise affect your decision-making and also your casting? Yeah, in terms of the casting, I said then, we, we, we wanted people who were just coming up. We didn't want people who were already major, major in the industry. So if you can see in the Soldier Story 1, the, the only person there who had an AMBCA award was is Tope, Tope Tedela and uh, I think Linda. Yeah. Daniel hadn't gotten any awards, Sambasa and the rest. Their first major awards came, the Daniel won uh, Best Actor, AMBCA. The first film, like both AMBCA and uh, is it? Ama. Ama. It was a soldier story. The first film anybody's won like that. They won both. Over there, Sambasa won here and won on the other side. So, mm. and then won it. When he picked up an award in New York as well, Sambasa, and uh, Olubido got nominated and all this stuff. So, we wanted people who were not major, major in the industry at that point, but those who were just rising up to that point, because we believe that we're going to grow with them. And yeah. look at it; it's actually turned out that way. Olubido now is becoming a major force. Is his most rarely on TV like he was. He's more on films and getting really involved. Yeah. He's a young up-and-coming person. I'm seeing him like the next couple of years he's going to be a major person, a major player in the industry. Yeah. He's positioning himself well. Good thing the mom is also getting very involved in what he does. And it's a good thing. I see their relationship is fantastic. Then you see Sambasa now is a force in the industry. Daniel and all these people where people were just beginning to pop their heads up into the industry. Yeah. Right now they are forced force in the industry and then the, in the soldier story too we we brought in some color who i still believe is one of the best female actors not well it's not about female best actors in nigeria yeah so i i i, I rather compare them as actors not female or male yeah who really acts who brings it to the table she is fantastic unfortunately she's not been in the country much because she's been in canada for a long time now she is one of those actors that I can say, I can beat my hand on my chest and say, this lady is amazing. Yeah. So you see all these people are all in line and they're within the age that they can grow with the project. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the reason we went for them and it's, it's working. Yeah. How about um, with the story, setting up certain things that you necessarily do not exploit in the first one, but yeah. that come up in the second and third? Yeah, that's like it. how how did you do it? Basically, you see, like the thing is, once for once certain things are set in place, like basic points made, basic themes to be exploited, and then the characters, you know, it will always develop, it will always grow. Yeah. There's that opportunity for growth. So we we try not to have. It's just like when 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 you when you're speaking with someone and you you someone says ask you a question and you answer yeah you don't answer with close answers like for instance how are you i'm fine 
that's closed. The conversation can just end there. Yeah. Or you, but I ask you, how are you? I'm doing good. I hope you're doing good as well. I've opened it up for more conversation to happen. Yeah. So those, those approaches are what we, we did in, in, in our stories. The stories are never closed. We, we, we finish them with cliffhangers. Yeah. So it allows for continuity. We never close. Any, anyone we close, we know that character, we don't want to move on with the character. Yeah. So we close that and that. And then we, 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 we have situations where we're exploiting ideas. Ideas we've been playing around with where specific characters could just have grow into other brands or franchise of their own, mm-hmm. but still tied to, to the film. I mean, it's just imagine a situation where you pick a particular character and you need to tell his story or her story. Yeah. We have that plan. And we have a title for one, but we haven't started working on that already. Because mm-hmm. we need this to grow to like at least the third one. After the third one, then we'll begin to exploit break-offs from the project. Yeah. Yeah. Not breakaways, just break-offs yeah. from that. Yeah. Okay. So um, as a filmmaker, which um, filmmakers inspire you? That you draw influence? Um, it started, I look back as a youngster and then in present, the people that actually have inspired me strongest, when I say that, some people will say their films have too much blood, like Quentin, yeah. Quentin Tarantino has been a great inspiration to me. I watch his stuff, I've watched everything he's done. A guy Richie is another person who's really, really inspired me. Yeah. His style is just out there. I don't know if you say that's outlandish or what, but it's just there and it's crazy. And I, I like that. I like the approach to filmmaking. I like the, the way they edit, the way they, tell, the way they tell their story and all that. And then the fact that they're in your face with their images. Yeah. And they, they almost, they're pushing the envelope and they kind of seem to be from an era of filmmaking. The film is like focused on an era of filmmakers where it's towards that chiaroscuro era of films. Yeah. Yeah, that's those kind of those films of those of those period. And and I like that. I, I like the way they, they, they go about the film, the way it is in your face. Not because there's so much blood, so much violence, but you see sometimes the violence itself has its power in the film, its yeah. place. And uh, it kind of it kind of keeps me there, it keeps me there. Another one too is uh, Tarantino's prodigy. Uh, the 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 Mexican American, uh, what's his name again? Who did um, Dogs to Dawn? Hmm. That's another guy. I just forgotten his name now. And his his stuff is so much like Tarantino's as well. Yeah. So I, I like those those people have actually influenced me a lot. There are some bigger names that. I watched back in the days and what like 15, 20 years earlier. Yeah. And those ones I still respect you today. And people were the, the the I was taught to look at I had to look at their stuff from school. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock in, in the in the UK, we had to watch a lot of Hitchcock stuff. And it opened my eyes to filmmaking from a different perspective entirely. Yeah. How to approach films, how to approach your characters and all that. So Hitchcock could be could be said to be a major factor because in school I had to be watching his stuff over and over because we have a cinema I think two 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 cinemas or two or three cinemas in in school they were always playing their their projects 
using them to teach you film. Yeah. So you can't forget Alfred Hitchcock. And then so, but outside that, those group, these are the ones that have been of greater influence to me. Of. All right. So let's say you're stuck on an island and um, you have to keep watching one particular film over and over again. Which film are you going to choose? Hmm. That's difficult to... Maybe I'll say... I would have said Pulp Fiction, but... I think I'll probably... The, the film I want to watch over and over like that may turn out to be Guy Ritchie's uh, Gentleman. Yeah. Gentleman. Nice. Okay. So, um... You know, we're growing, Nollywood is growing, um, even without government presence and all that. Um, what do you think we should be focusing on to, you know, just help with the general evolution of the industry? What should we focus on? Quality stories. We should focus on quality stories. And then the investors, like let's say the marketing, the distribution companies and the rest, should focus on making those stories, marketing those stories to the best of their abilities. Because if there's no, we need to convince the audience that we're good enough. Yeah. We need to convince the public to respect what we do. Because a lot of Nigerian, Nigerians will tell you that they don't watch Nigerian films. I don't blame them. Mm. It's because of what they've seen over time. Sometimes it's so well publicized, but when they come to see it, it's not good enough. So if we, if we can start focusing on quality stories and the distributing companies focusing on making sure that the best stories are the ones that are given a place in the industry regardless of who makes it yeah. or who made them that will help because if we work together then the filmmaker will have money to make the next one and the distribution companies will have money to keep doing the, what they're doing yeah. or else the industry will collapse and their businesses will pack up. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be trust between the yeah. audience and uh, yeah. the, the filmmakers audience, and distributors. The audience, the audience have to be sure that what they're coming to see is worth it. So that means the, the distribution companies and the, the screening houses, well, you won't blame the screening houses. Where I blame the screening houses is giving good films the right timing, the right yeah. slot, slot so that when people come, they can get to see it because at least the facilities are good enough. The, the screening houses are not bad. They're okay. The, the, the equipment are not bad. They're okay. So if a good film comes, it will look good. Yeah. Then the ones that are not good, you fix theaters because some theaters you go to, the, the DCPs, the lenses are spoiled. They're not okay. Maybe overused. Or maybe they bought them a second hand or maybe they've used them for too long. Yeah. They've not replaced those lenses and the rest. So you go there, a good film doesn't look good on the screen. That is discouraging as well. Mm. So we really need to get involved in what we do, but we need to work together. We need to throw away that thing of is my friend's own or my brother's own and do this thing because we are making money. It's business. Yeah. Okay. So Frankie, um, how can people keep up with your work? Ah, for now, the works are not that available there, but it's, except on the different networks where they've been. Like a soldier story one was everywhere before it was on Netflix, it was on 
uh, Africa Magic. It was on all those platforms, but it's been off now because it's over four years or so. Yeah. So now it's on specific networks. But I know it may it should come back to uh, maybe you see it, you may you may see it on Rock had asked us for it, so I think they probably will start showing as well. And Africa Magic acquired it from us again. But for Soldier Story 2, you have to wait for when the distribution gets to this part of the world. They're doing America. And once they're through with America, they're going to do Europe, then they'll do Africa. Okay. All right. Do you have, like, social media? Yeah, it's just Frankie Ogre. For Facebook, it's Frankie Ogre. And Instagram is Frankie Ogre. Uh, I used to be on Twitter, but I, 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 I closed my account. Before the government first Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay. They, yeah. Uh, I say this now before start getting what is this? I just I, I I had some reason my it was just personal that I just I had nothing against them. It just was it was a personal decision. Yeah. So it didn't affect me when the government decided to make that kind of decision. I don't know why they did that. Mm. Such a blanket decision which I do not support at all. But they know better why they did what they did. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Frankie, for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity you've given me too. We have come to the end of this episode. Please remember to leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Selegal Film and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at the Niger Film Pod. See you on the next episode. Have a good one. <laughs>